Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you. Can we welcome our Appleton campus, Brookfield campus, Germantown campus, Milwaukee campus, online? Wherever you are joining us from today, we're so glad that you're with us and glad that we're all together and celebrating what God is doing and what God has done. I love this time of the year. Not only do you get to eat a lot, amen? No? Yes. You do, amen. And uh, but it is like one of those times where you um, you just get to. Uh, I just like church during this time of the year. I just I don't know, man. And today, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter number twelve. John chapter twelve. We're concluding this series on economic atheist. And if this is your first weekend to be here, we're delighted that you're with us. But an economic atheist is someone who verbally espouses a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you would never know it by their giving. You would never know about what they do with their time or their talent or their treasure. You'd never be able to see it in their bank account or in their calendar. They just, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christ follower. Yeah, I serve Jesus. Yeah, I'm a fully devoted follower of Christ. But when it really comes down to kind of, quote, unquote, putting your money where your mouth is, it doesn't really exist. And um, an economic atheism may be expressed in giving, but it begins in the heart. It's a heart issue. It's not a money issue. It's not a time issue. It, it's, not a, it's not even a commitment issue. It's a heart issue. And I want to show you that today in John's Gospel, chapter number 12. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading it from the, the English Standard Version. If you don't have it, it will be on the screen, but it reads like this. And six days before Passover, Jesus... Uh, therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was whom Jesus had raised from the dead so they gave a dinner for him there and Martha served and Lazarus was one of the those reclining with him at the table and Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples who was about to betray him, says, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? Look at, look at the next verse. And he said, this is not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. And Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will have with you, but you will not always have me. At the feet of Jesus, there are two hearts in this, in this particular story. This isn't a parable. This is an account. There are two hearts that are revealed. One is a heart of generosity. The, the other is a heart of selfishness. And in the course of today's message, I just want you to ask yourself a simple question. Which heart do I have? Because in every room where Jesus is, there are these two hearts. As it was there, it is today. There's a heart that says, God, whatever you want, whatever I have of my time, my talent, my treasure, whatever it is, it's yours. With a reckless abandon, God, I give you all that I have. And then in the presence of Jesus, there's hearts that are just selfish and stingy and miserly and hard. You see, it's possible to be in the very presence of God and your heart be so far away. It's possible that you spend time following him and being around him and even having the name of follower or disciple of Jesus as Judas did, but yet your heart is so far 
away from God. It's possible that on the outside, it looks as though, from your words, it looks, it sounds as though, from what maybe people may look, that you're with him, but truly your heart is far away. Three statements today. First statement is that the enemy of generosity is selfishness. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. We see it here in this passage. Generosity is giving and expecting nothing in return. Selfishness is to give and think that God owes you something. Mary's response, Judas's response. Mary comes into the presence of Jesus and she has this heart that says, I want to worship. She has this heart of abundance. She has this heart of like, it doesn't matter who else is in the room, what else is going on. It doesn't matter what the critics say. It doesn't matter, oh, if I lift my hand in worship, is somebody going to think something of me? Or if I respond to the altar call, mm, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. If I respond to the altar call, what are they going to think? If I'm, if I'm doing this, are they going to think I'm a Jesus freak? If, if I'm an adult, and I get water baptized and my hair gets wet. How am I going to? She doesn't care about anything. She cares about one thing, the audience of one. Heart full of worship and abundance. Judas, think about this for a minute. This is one of the complexities and the parodies I do not understand in scripture. Jesus knows he's going to betray him, yet he still chooses him. Doesn't make him betray him. God's not in the heavenlies with some cosmic joystick controlling our lives. We're free moral agents. We have free choice and will. You and I, humans, are on the, the only critters on the face of the planet that have this. Every other critter has <laughs> certain tendencies and things that are hardwired in that their brains are not, doesn't have, do not have the capacity to overwhelm or overtake. But you and I have the power of choice. Why? Because God wanted us to choose to love him, not be forced to do so. And God still chooses Judas. What grace, what unmerited, undeserved favor does God give him? Yet in the context of all this, his scarcity mentality and his excuses come out of why we can't worship God, why we can't do this. This doesn't look right. You've been around religious people very long? Oh, yes. Religious people. <sighs> I love people that love Jesus. I do not like being around churchy religious people. You know what I'm talking about? It's one of the, number one, it's one of the biggest reasons when somebody asks me what I do for a living, I really try to say everything, but I'm a minister. Because that conjures up such, if, if they have a good experience with church, then it's like, oh, pastor. If they have a bad experience, all of a sudden it's like, whew, the walls come up. Sometimes the rocks come out. Uh, it's really funny if I'm like in a, in a confined space. And if you, if you see me now in this capacity, you'll do this to me. Because I would do it to you just to kind of throw it, just kind of jab you a bit. But I'm sitting on a plane and, and, and somebody crosses the aisle where I'm sitting like, Hey, pastor, how are you? It's so good to see you, pastor. Great sermon. And everybody around sitting with me are like, oh, he's a, what, what? He's not wearing a clerical collar. Usually I'm like in a, in a ball cap and a hoodie and I've got headphones on. They're like, you, it, it's, not their, it's not their image of what a pastor looks like. Thanks, good to see you too. God bless you. You know, kind of a deal. And again, invariably when they pass by, where do you pastor? Who are you? What's going on? What church are you? I had this bad experience. Well, hey, I had one guy one morning just sit there and just a confessional booth. 
you know, just the whole deal. I mean, everybody within four rows could hear everything he said. And lady, when we got off, said to me, she said, I just want you to know, I was praying for you the entire time. I go to church, <laughs> I heard it all. We're all born selfish. But when we're born again, we're born again of a generous spirit. We have that ability for God so loved the world that he gave. Not seconds, not leftovers, his best. God won't tempt you when it comes to finance, but he will test you in the area of your giving, in the area of your generosity. And you get to determine if you're going to be generous or selfish. That's your choice. Second statement today is that the extravagance of generosity is more than an amount. This is what we see in this passage, that the extravagance of generosity is more than an amount. If you read the Bible, you see two examples that I just want to pull just randomly from Scripture. One is in 1 Chronicles when David is building the temple before God and King David comes in and he spares no expense. He is extravagant in what he does to build the temple. Modern day dollars, theologians and scholars conjecture that he spent upwards to $20 billion in today's currency to build the temple for God. It's a lot of money. If I, let's just put it to you like this. If I said, hey, Life Church, we're going to build a new building, and it's going to cost $20 billion. <laughs> There's not a building in our state that costs $20 billion. And then you go to the New Testament, and you see Jesus with the disciples on the Sabbath at synagogue. And they're watching as everybody's putting their money in the plate. It's interesting. Jesus is watching that. Well, it's not very spiritual. It's not very religious. Take it up with Jesus. I didn't, it's not me. It's him. And he's got the disciples around him. Could you imagine? How intimidating would that be? If there's an offering and you're walking out and there's the plate and Jesus is just standing there. I mean, it's like everything you got, right? Here's the credit cards. They're almost maxed out. And here, you can take them all. And Luke's gospel, chapter 24, records a, a lady, a widow, which is important because she didn't have social services the way we do today. And the Bible says she gave a mite, two mites, actually, which is worth, in today's dollars, an eighth of a U.S. cent, not even one penny. And Jesus stops and says, this woman has given more than anyone else. Because she didn't give out of her abundance, she gave out of her need. This is the reason why how much you give is never the question. The dollar amount is never what it's about. This is where we get so hung up. And this is where critics of the church get so hung up that, well, they're only just about money and rich people. No, 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 no. It's not, it has nothing to do with that stuff. It has to do with my heart. It's not you responding to me or you responding to a pastor or you responding to a priest. It's you responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's your heart that when he asks, what is your heart? What is your response? See, God measures generosity not based on the size of the gift, but on the sacrifice of the giver. David says, I will not give God something that doesn't cost me. It's got to cost me something for it to have value. And for some of us, we can write checks and it really doesn't cost us. Some of it's, it's our time. Some of it, it it's, it's, our, it, it's, it's our, uh, our time or it's our talent way beyond our treasure. And Mary, 300 denarii, which is what it said that this, this, this 
perfume, this ointment would have cost was to be about a one year's salary. So it doesn't matter how much money you make in a year, that's a lot of money. Whether you make 35,000 a year, whether you make 350,000 a year, whether you make 3.5 million a year, it's a lot of money. It cost her one year's salary for that act of worship. Extravagance of generosity is more than an amount. Third statement is reward of generosity is guaranteed. The reward of generosity is guaranteed, not by me, not by the church, but look at God's word. Mark chapter 14, verse nine says, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she, speaking of Mary, has done will be told in memory of her. That day in Bethany, in the house, with a few people around the table, As the Gospels are written, 2,000 years later, we're talking about this. Millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, maybe even billions of people will hear this story of this extravagant act of generosity and worship. Not because of the amount not because of the criticism, not because of the context, not because the world saw it, not because it was recorded on someone's cell phone and it was posted around the world. No, this is pre-technology. This is old school, baby. But because of her heart, it comes out. God always rewards generosity. Businessman, businesswoman, hear this. God always rewards generosity. He knows, not about the amount. He knows if you're giving from need. He knows if you're sacrificing. He knows whatever it is that he may be asking of you. He always rewards generosity. Mary didn't come to be rewarded, but God did do that. Hebrews, Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. For whoever will draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he's, he rewards those who seek him. We always are more blessed as we give than when we receive. The reward of generosity is guaranteed. Now some call generosity, what Mary did, a waste. I want to talk about this just for a minute as I kind of land the plane today. Some call it a waste, but Jesus calls it worship. Mark's gospel records this, this exact same event. And he says it this way in verse six of chapter 14. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. Worship is not when a song is sung and I'm singing. Worship is more than me lifting my hands or clapping in response to a song. Worship is always a personal act of love. Worship is an expression of adoration to God. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, the word for worship is to bow down. In the New Testament, the Greek word for worship is to kiss forward, as you would blow a kiss forward. You would promote it forward. It's an expression of humility and adoration. Imagine that evening in Bethany as we read this story, because sometimes we just read over this. You've got Simon the leper sitting at the table. 
And he's able to say, I remember Jesus when I was a leper and nobody would touch me. And I was bound to the outside of the city. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't go to the temple. I couldn't go to the church. No one came to see me. I, I was completely on the outside. But Jesus, you came to me. Nobody that didn't have leprosy would touch me. But Jesus, you touched me. And today I'm healed. Then you go around the table and you got Peter. And Peter was like, man, I was just trading days for dollars on the Sea of Galilee. I, 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 I tried to make it into rabbinical school, but, but I didn't pass the first round. And I wasn't qualified to be a, a rabbi or a teacher of the law. But Jesus, you came and you looked at me that day. And you said, come, follow me, and I will make you. And I left everything. And then you look at Matthew. Matthew says, look, I was a tax collector. I was a guy who defrauded my own people. I was a turncoat to the Israelites, to the Jews, I was hated by everyone. I, I was cutting all the corners. I was the most, most, most lack of integrity, of integrity businessman that you know. And Jesus, you came to me and you called me when no one else wanted me. Then Lazarus says, hey, I can trump you all. I was dead in the grave. They were mourning. My sisters thought Mary and Martha, they thought I was done. Everybody was mourning. Jesus, I'm so sorry that they looked at you and said, where were you? You should have been here. You should have done this. Have you ever told God that? Right? Mary and Martha did. Hey, you should have done this. God, if you'd only done it this way. God, if you'd only done it my way. God, if, and all that was going on. But in the middle of that tomb, way back in the darkness, I began to hear you speak my name. You call my name. And when you called my name, I came forth into life and I'm sitting here today. And in that moment, I'm sure Mary's going, what do I do? What do I say? My, my sister Martha, she's made this wonderful dinner. Jesus eats more of Martha's cooking than anyone else's in scripture. She must've been a great cook. Amen. <laughs> Woo. Don't shout me down. I'm preaching good. I, I'm thinking about food right now. I'm going to come right back. All right. She's hearing and seeing all of these people. What does she do? Oh, I know. I've got this one thing I've been saving. I've got this one thing, and I'm going to get it, and I'm going to. I just feel led. I just feel impressed. I just feel leading. I'm just, I'm going to go, and I'm going to just go, and I'm going to wash his feet with this. That's what I can do. Some call it a waste, but Jesus calls it worship. See, worship is a costly act of surrender. Worship is not coming to God to get something. Worship is coming into God's presence to surrender something. This is the reason why some people just don't like to be in worship services because the presence of the Lord is moving and the presence of the Lord is stirring and the conviction of the Holy Spirit is there. And all of a sudden God begins to knock on the door of your heart, Revelation 3:19, and he's wanting to come in and he's wanting to eat with you and he's wanting to commune with you. But we've got these issues and God says, I need you to deal with these issues. I need you to deal with this sin. I need you to deal with this. And we just want to kind of give God the Heisman and we just kind of want to and in that moment we understand that worship is a costly act of surrender because when I'm in his presence I'm changed I accept it or I reject it but I'm changed and this perfume that Mary poured out on Jesus was extremely expensive but when you truly love someone you never think about how much it costs I'm really giving a lot of money to this missionary. When you truly love someone, you don't think about how much it costs. Well, I'm really giving a lot of money to church, tithing a whole lot, pastor. When you truly love someone, you don't think about how much it costs. 
You know, I've done a lot. I'm doing a lot of good, man. We're doing a lot, lot for, for Life Center and doing a lot. You, when you truly love someone, you don't think about how. God, I, you know, I'm, I'm serving a lot of hours here. I mean, you know, you know what my bill rate is at work? I mean, I, you know how much money I could get in my profession? When you truly love someone, you don't care about how much it costs. It's worship. Some people that day called it a waste, but Jesus called it worship. Worship is always a prophetic act of recognition. Worship always precedes what's about to take place. Check this out. Mary's action was more than an act of worship. She was anointing Jesus' body for burial that would take place in a couple of days, and no one knew. He knew. Mark's gospel says in verse chapter 14, verse 6 and 8, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her for what she's done is a beautiful thing to me. She did what she could. That's all God ever asked you to do. Amen. For she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. We know what's coming because we've read the end of the book, but they don't. They don't know what's going on. They still don't know what's about to happen. The, the Last Supper hasn't taken place and none of this has taken place. They still don't know what's going on, but there was this sense of timing with extravagant worship. It always happens this way. Listen to me. If Mary had not poured out the perfume upon Jesus at this time, she would have missed her opportunity. The first Easter morning, do you remember? Jesus has died on the cross. They take him to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea because there was no other place to put his body. And then Rome, because they didn't want to have any problems, they, have put, they put Roman soldiers in front of the tomb. And then they roll a stone over it and they seal it with a Roman seal, which meant the only person that could have broken it would have been a Roman official. And on that first Sunday morning, that Easter Sunday morning after he's died on Friday, what do a couple of ladies do? They go and they make their way to the tomb and they bring spices to anoint and to prepare his body for burial. But when they get there, he's gone. They missed their opportunity, but Mary didn't. Woo, don't shout me now when I'm preaching good. There are times when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and leads you to do something, to say something, to give something, to go somewhere, to do something, to stop something. And in that moment, if you will just surrender yourself, understand that what you're doing is an act of worship. It prophetically precedes what's about to happen. And in that moment, what's happening is, is, that, is, is that God has given you that opportunity, but that opportunity will not always be there. How many times do you feel like you're supposed to give in an offering? You're supposed to do something with your time or whatever. And you just go, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll take care of it later. Maybe this is just indigestion. I had Chipotle yesterday, you know? <laughs> is it hot in here or is it just me? Uh, maybe my hands, maybe I just, maybe I'm a little over emotional. You know, I'm a new Christian or I'm not really around this. Or, or you know, I've given a whole lot. Instead of just saying, here it is, Lord. Here it is. Mary didn't understand. She just was obedient to what he had called her to do. There's an important lesson for us. Never miss the opportunity. Next weekend, I hope you come back. Not just to participate in the offering. Because there's not a special offering today. Today's heart. Next week, you, you can bring your, your, your funds. This week, it's all about heart. But the guy that's going to speak, Solomon Wong, has one of the most amazing testimonies I've ever heard. 
And there are several things that we're going to kind of connect some dots that have some connection to some things that you've done that you don't even realize. And when I heard him speak the first time, and I've met him, I know him. But when I heard him speak, I was like, I need to have him come. And, but, but I don't have any time in the schedule. I have no time in the calendar. And, but I kind of sense that I was supposed to have him come. And, and then he comes to me and, hey, Pastor Cole, uh, I, you know, I'd love to come to your great church in Milwaukee. You've heard so much about the church in Milwaukee and just would love to come and do a service if I could ever help you. And do you have any time in your calendar? And when you meet him next week, you'll know what I'm talking about. He's a very kind, small stature, very humble and I just said, Solomon, I, I don't have any time in the schedule. And as the words came out of my mouth, I just thought, it was like the Holy Spirit was like, whose schedule are you talking about? <laughs> See, I made a deal with God a long time ago. I'll do what you want me to do, and I'll say what you want me to say, and I'll go where you want me to go. And I may not be perfect. I'm just one beggar and tell another beggar where to find food. But this is your church, God. These are your people. These are not my people. I will be here as long as you want me. And when you're done with me, I will exit stage left. I will do whatever you want me to do. I, I, I will live my life to the very best of my ability and, uh, and utmost obedience to you. We were at this event and Tammy was with me. We got back to the hotel room and she looked at me. She, with the Holy Spirit, kind of did a double team on me, just to be really honest with you. If you ever seen WWF, Monday night, that's what happened. Boom! Macho man, Randy Savage, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, it was just on. That was for Pastor Robert right there. He loves macho man, Randy Savage. That's a whole other story for another day. And she said, why did you tell him no? I said, Tammy, I am t totally booked. The only time I'd have is to do a one day, and I've already got that scheduled. And I mean, I'll have him. But, and she said, I just, and I said, no, you're right. Before you said anything, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, who are you to do this? This is a man that I want to come and to speak. Okay. Very next morning, I catch him before he leaves the hotel. He's flying out. We're leaving. I just said, Solomon, I need to apologize. I was wrong. I missed it. The moment the words came out, of my, oh, Pastor Cole, you're so, I said, no, 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 no. Let me say this. We'd love to have you come. I don't know when, but we will find the appropriate time for your schedule and for our schedule, but we will have you come this year. This is something that the Lord wants to do. This is something that we need to hear. This isn't my church, this is his church. I don't know what he's going to do next weekend. He, not Solomon. I know what Solomon's going to do, but I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do. But I'm telling you, there's a, there's a divine moment and intersection in that. And I don't want to show up at an empty tomb ready to do something and missing my opportunity. How many times do we do that? We show up a day late and a dollar short. We, we show up empty-handed. We, we show up ready to do, but it's, no. No, 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 no. Mary, listen to the voice of the leading of the Holy Spirit. And some people called it a waste, but Jesus called it worship. See, worship is an act of blessing. When you bless the Lord, you cannot but help be blessed in return. Do you notice what happened when Mary poured out the perfume? John writes, and the fragrance filled the house. When Mary wipes the feet of Jesus with her hair and with this, with this expensive oil, this fragrance, this perfume, 
the fragrance that she puts on Jesus is now on her. For when she had poured out on Jesus, it came back to her as a blessing. That's how God works. God's never wanting to take from you. He's wanting to bless you. He just needs a conduit, an opportunity, an open door in which to do that. And your worship, your generosity, your giving of yourself is what allows him that opportunity. Again, you can be like Judas. I don't believe all that. Nah, 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 nah. Look what happened to him. I'm just saying. He goes and sells Jesus out and betrays him. And the guilt and the remorse and the shame was more than he could handle. But Mary, no, when she poured out on Jesus, it came back to her as a blessing. And wherever she went, she carried with her this fragrance, this fragrance of her worship. She got up the next morning, the fragrance is still in the house and she still remembers it. When she gets out to check the mail, it goes with her. She walks to the mailbox, it's still with her. When she runs over to the grocery store to pick something up, all of a sudden that fragrance is with her. And people that are around her, that are shopping around her, they smell that fragrance. Maybe one of her girlfriends said, hey, what is that? That is beautiful. Well, let me tell you what happened last night. It wasn't me, it was the Lord, but let me just... As she's checking out at the checkout stand and and, and the fragrance is there. As she goes to the coffee shop to to grab her cup of coffee, the fragrance is there. Everywhere she goes, the fragrance is there. The fragrance is there and the fragrance is there. Can I just tell you, you can tell when someone's been with Jesus. You can tell when someone's operating in obedience. You can just tell there's a fragrance. There's something about it. Some of you here today, you're going, there is something I'm experiencing in this room that I've never experienced before. I don't know how to explain it. Can I just tell you, it's the, it's the fragrance of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the Lord. You think that's a little crazy, Aaron? No, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, for we are to God the aroma of Christ. Do you know Christ has an aroma? It's you. Among those who are being saved, that's us. And for those who are perishing, that's the lost. That means that whether I go to church or I go to work, I go home or I go, I go to the ball fields, whether I go play a round of golf or I go shopping, whether I go to the lake or I go to the ocean, whether I'm on an airplane, whether I'm in a hotel room, whether I'm in a restaurant, wherever I am, he goes with me and there's this aroma. And the people that have that same aroma, they smell it, they see it, they know it, they sense it. And those that don't, it becomes this aroma of Christ. It's this invitation to those who are dying this sweet aroma of Jesus, and she has it with her. And some called it a waste, but Jesus called it worship. And here's what I wanna end with today. I believe that God wants to extravagantly pour out on you and your family and your business And it's not about the size of check that you write. Whether you wanna give 20 billion like David or whether you wanna give one cent or an eighth of a cent like the widow has nothing to do with that. It has to do with this, your heart. And it's a lot easier to write the check than it is to do this. It's a lot easier for me to even donate some time than to give you my heart. I don't want your heart, I don't need your heart. Jesus 
Revelation 3.19 is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking. He wants your heart. He wants you to be, he wants me to be like Mary that just pushes all the critics aside and all the naysayers aside and takes everything, whatever he wants and says, here it is, Lord. Generosity. Generosity. You know what makes this church great? It's not me. It's not a program. It's not a location. It's not a worship band or a staff member or staff members or what. It's not even you. It's your heart of generosity. Whether it's volunteering, you sign up. I know I'm preaching to the choir today. If it's serving, you serve. If there's a need, you meet it. It's heart. It's heart. It's my generous heart. And how can you not? So today, I ask you a question at the beginning. You have a choice in the presence of Jesus. Is your heart generous? I just, and you go, well, I thought you just said, no, I said, our heart is generous. I'm asking you about you. Mary's heart was generous. Peter's heart was generous. Simon the leper's heart was generous. Lazarus was generous. Martha was generous. Mary's was generous. But Judas was selfish. Even in the presence of the king even in the presence of the Savior of the earth, even in the one whose voice spoke the stars into the sky and the world into existence. It's possible that you can be in the very presence of Jesus and have a heart that's so shut off towards him. How's your heart this morning? How's your heart this morning? Is it generous? Is it selfish? Don't miss your opportunity. I'll do this tomorrow. I'll deal with this tomorrow. Today's not a, no, 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 no. You, you may get to the tomb tomorrow and he's gone. No, today's the day. Some of you, there's just sin. There's just junk that you've allowed, residual buildup you've allowed to come into your life that you, just need, you don't need to confess to me. Hebrews says we have a great high priest. His name is Jesus. I'm not your high priest. That temple veil was torn from the top to the bottom when Jesus Christ died on the cross. I didn't write the book. I'm just telling you how it works. And you can boldly go to the throne of grace and you can obtain mercy and grace at any day, at any time, at any hour. Jesus is there. He's your advocate. He's the one that goes to the Father on your behalf. He's the one that loves you. When you were dead in your sins, that's when Christ died for you. But some of you just need to say, God, forgive me my sins and forgive me what's going on. Some of you, you just have a heart that, that you've just never given your life to Jesus. Oh, you don't have a problem. You never, and in this moment, you just say, Jesus, I give you my heart. I, I make a decision to follow you. Some of you, God's asking something from you. Maybe, maybe he's asking you to go into vocational ministry and to step out, and it's very scary. Some of you, you may be a student or a kid, and that's beating inside of you. And I'm telling you, I was there. I grew up in church, and he's asking you, to, will you follow me? Will, will you walk away from everything else and follow me? It may take you to Germantown, Wisconsin, never been there before. Don't even know where that's at, but I'll go, God. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. Some of you, it may be that God's speaking to your heart about finances, about giving, about whatever. I don't know what your alabaster box is. I don't know what your fragrance is. I don't know what it is, but I know he's speaking. And in that moment, if you'll be obedient, the fragrance of Christ will be released in your life in such a way 
And he will show up in your life in such a way. And the joy and the peace of the Lord that can only come from him will show up in such a way. But it's not my choice, it's yours. I'm just a messenger to tell you. How's your heart today? Is it generous? Is it selfish? You're in the presence of the King, in the presence of Jesus. It's possible to have both, your choice. Father, I just thank you today for your word. And I thank you today, Lord, that God, when we come before you humbly, God, you meet us right where we are. And I just pray in these next few moments as the band comes and as they just do a song, I just pray, Lord, as you've spoken to our heart, let us respond appropriately. If there's sin, let us confess that sin to you. And you're faithful and just to forgive us of that sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what your word says. Faithful, you'll do it every single time. Just you have the power and the ability to do so. Lord, if there's a commitment that we need to make to you, God, in this moment, let us make that commitment. Whether we need to verbalize it or write it down or type it out on, on, in our phone, whatever it may be. But Lord, in this moment, let us respond accordingly. If our hearts, God, if we are not in right relationship with you, we don't have a personal relationship with you, Jesus. If we've never asked you to come into our heart and into our life and be our Lord and be our Savior, in this moment, it's that simple. To say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, be my Lord, be my Savior, forgive me my sins today. Lord, there'll be people in this room that you're asking that of them. Lord, I don't know what, who you're calling into vocational ministry, who you're asking to give of time and talent and treasure, what it may do. Maybe it's a step across the line and begin to be faithful in tithing. Maybe it's to give us some extravagance. Maybe there's resources that have come into their pathway and God, they, they need to release. I don't know, that's not my business, but I just pray in these next few moments, let us not miss our opportunity. Let us not be like the women who show up to anoint the body and it's gone. Good intentions, good people miss the opportunity. Father, let us be like Mary. Push all the naysayers aside, all the critics aside, and let us, let us worship you. In Jesus' name.